You're listening to the BH Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, BH has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now, here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BH Photography Podcast. Okay, it's not going to be a regular podcast today. We're actually uptown on Fifth Avenue and 63rd Street, Manhattan, at the Academy Mansion. Sony is throwing a little get together for photographers and press people to get to know the new Sony A7R4, which, after handling it a little bit, is an amazing camera. Uh, Jason and I own previous generation A7R cameras, and we're really impressed by what we've seen. We're going to be talking to Sony artisans Colby Brown and Andy Katz, and we're also going to be talking with Sony's very own Mike Bubalo about the new camera, uh, and we're going to butt in and uh, start bothering people who are actually using the camera here, photographing models, and get some first impressions from photographers and Sony users. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we are with Michael Bubalo of Sony, and he is the national manager of Pro Support. So you, you know about this camera. Uh, and obviously, we're here to talk about the new A7R4, yep. which is the fourth of the uh, uh, generation camera. I've owned several of them, and uh, this is an impressive one. We all know the specs. We know it's 61 megapixel and the 10 frames a second, and uh, all this other stuff, and the new, we'll go over all the details. From a working perspective, what is the difference, the real-world difference between this camera and the previous generation A7R cameras? So what's interesting about this camera and what you've seen from all of our generations of A7Rs is that this camera isn't just an upgrade to the 7R3. It's a completely new camera. So from the ground up, the body, the buttons, the chassis, obviously the sensor, the shutter, everything is completely new. So you're right. It's not just about megapixels. It's also about the image quality and what we're able to achieve while adding 20 megapixels. Mm -hmm. We're able to keep 10 frames a second. We're able to have 15 stops dynamic range. We're able to have a huge buffer at 68 frames. But other things that we added is it's got better autofocus, better tracking, better professional features like the body is better weather sealed, the body is more rigid. The buttons on the outside of the camera at Sony and especially with Pro Support, we pride ourselves on listening to the customers, listening to professionals, and that's really our job is to create that next camera. We're always thinking about the next camera and creating the camera and listening to them about how we should do it. So every what, everything you see on the outside of the A7R4, the AF on button, the AEL button, the way the shutter feels, everything is designed by professionals and from feedback from the field. So well, it's pretty as impressive. an owner of three previous generation A7 cameras, uh, I'm currently using the R2, yeah. I feel, let's wait and see what comes out. Um, I can tell you that picking this camera up, it does feel different, has a nice solid feel. The control buttons are where I wish they were. You did well yeah. on that, in my opinion. The grip is really nice. And what really stood out to me was firing off some frames, the shutter has a very different feel about it and sound about it. Uh, it I don't know how you think it's, it's right to say, but it feels better, the shutter, it the way it goes off. When that thing goes click, 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 I know what my camera sounds like. I know what this one sounds like. So at six, because the, one of the things is that at 61 megapixels, the camera is very sensitive or the resolution is very sensitive to any vibration whatsoever. So we had to completely redesign the shutter from the ground up to have almost no vibration. So it's one of the least vibration shutters ever made because 
the higher you go in resolution, the the more everything every magnified. single pixel moves. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make one of the best shutters ever made and one have extreme low vibrations. So this way, that's why that shutter sounds like that, and I think it sounds superb. It's pretty fantastic. So here's a question for you. We have fifty per, roughly fifty percent higher resolving power than the previous A7R three, two mm -hmm. and three. And we now have 15 stops of dynamic range, which is more than any other 35 millimeter, and if I'm not mistaken, medium format digital capture back right now, definitely higher than film, and prints themselves only handle about, what, four or five stops. I mean, so this is way beyond what most people could ever use. From a working perspective, I go out and I shoot image files with this and I open them on my computer. How are they going to be different from the A7R3? What will I notice or not notice? Well, remember that sensor on the A7R3 was also in the A7R. Right. So the color science and the color theory has been significantly improved and you'll just notice. Can I assume that it means better highlight detail, better shadow detail? Better, much better highlight detail, much better shadow detail. And that's not just in stills as well. Of course, stills have 15 stops dynamic range, but even in video, the way we handle highlights, the way we handle shadows, right. we're able to get 14 stops dynamic range. And just the, it's not even just about the stops of dynamic range, it's also just how the camera handles extremes. How does this affect ISO levels? I know that the, the, <laughs> all the existing cameras are just they're astronomical of what they can do. How different or the same is this camera compared to previous generation? Yep. So even though, like you said before, we have 50% more pixels, mm -hmm. but we're getting the high ISO that's equal, if not a little bit better than the A7R3. Okay. So even though we're at 50% higher resolution, we're able to get the same, if not better, high ISO quality, which is pretty amazing. The camera goes up to 102,000 ISO. And just from the usability and the, what we've been using over the last couple of days, I mean, we were able to shoot a 12,800 and have it look absolutely spectacular. That's great. That's 61 minutes. Now, something I picked up um, using an A7R2 and an R3 is that some lenses that I have that I've owned for a long time that I have long loved and I've always depended on, suddenly we're getting to a point now, I noticed once yeah. we cracked 24 megapixel and went to 36 and 42, my lenses aren't as good as they used to be. Now, this camera is going to be even more challenging for lenses. What are your thoughts about that and recommendations? So one great thing about Sony is that when we designed E-mount almost eight years ago, that we designed it with the future in mind. And we always said that we designed it with the future in mind and we always designed it for future cameras. And this is one of those cameras that we designed it for. So all every single one of our 35 E-mount, uh, full-frame E-mount lenses can resolve 61 megapixels and way beyond as well. So it's we weren't just talking about 61, we're talking about the future. So all of our FE mount lenses, everything is made in-house, everything is designed by us, sensors, processors, lenses. So we know where we're going, we know where we're headed, and all of our lenses are pretty spectacular and all of them can handle this camera very well. We're into ridiculous degrees of image quality right now, far beyond what we ever used to think about. This camera on paper, seems to equal or maybe even outperform many of the medium format digital backs that are out there. Now, aside from the fact that a medium format camera lens combination gives you a different look to your final picture, is this, how, how serious a challenge is the A7R4 to medium format capture? Unbelievably serious. I mean, I, I mean, 
it goes beyond if, if you're talking about just image quality obviously we have the 61 megapixels we have the 15 stop dynamic range we have pixel shift in the camera so that can give you 240 megapixels but beyond just the resolution it also now can capture all the colors for each pixel normally as you know every single pixel only captures red green or blue Correct. when you use pixel shift every single frame of every one of the 16 frames moves uh, one quarter of the pixel. So you're able to get red, green, and blue now on every single pixel. So for still lifes, for landscapes, for interiors, you can go above and beyond what any medium format camera can do with pixel shift. And even when you're just shooting one frame at 61 megapixels, we're able to get the quality that, like we said, rivals and seriously competes with the biggest, baddest medium format cameras out there. And we're still tripod mounted for the uh, multi-shot. Is that Pixel shift. So the quickest the pixel shift can do the 16 images is about two seconds. So it's you have to make sure that things in the frame aren't moving, and of course you're not moving. So as tennis well. games are out for the time being. You can try it. It might look cool. <laughs> <laughs> does it do raw um, with the pixel, pixel shift? shift? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and what about memory cards? Because now we also have to up the game for memory cards. Cards that you, you and I bought a year or two may not work well in this camera. What's the minimum? speed or minimum category card that you would recommend for this new camera? Um, of course, we recommend the fastest cards that are out there. Sure. Um, the new Sony Tough cards, which are indestructible, almost indestructible, um, are 300 megabytes per second. So, I mean, they're extremely fast, they're extremely durable, and they're really inexpensive when you really think about what you're buying it for and the camera you're buying it for. But, I mean, it is, the camera now has two UHS-2 slots. So you're able to utilize that 300 megabytes per second for each one of the memory card slots so you can do redundant shooting, you can back up, you can do RAWs to one, video to one, JPEG to the other. Um, but in terms of just speed, I mean, you can really kind of use anything you want. It's really a matter of the, the buffer and how fast that buffer refreshes. So if you shoot 68 frames, do you want to wait a minute or do you want to wait 10 seconds? So it, it can really, that's really where the biggest difference is. So I always recommend people so if you bought a $3,500 camera, you, could, you should splurge on a, a nice memory card. Yeah, no arguments there. Does it do the 14-bit raw in continuous mode? Like, yeah. I, I, it does. Okay. Yeah, we can do 14. Yeah, it's, it's all of our raw, our uncompressed raw is 14-bit. It can't do high, high plus, continue, so it can right. do eight frames a second in uncompressed raw. Okay, okay, so not the high, high. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And we, the high, high is a little different, too, because it's not, it's not like the A9. The A9 is still the the king when it comes to right. live view, silent shooting, blackout free shooting, because this camera at 10 frames a second in high plus will have blackout or it'll have um, preview. Yeah. Now, we haven't really discussed the video and this camera has a lot of improvements for video as well. Mm -hmm. I want you to give us a little bit of background and I know eye focus is one thing that you guys nailed, yeah. which so, is pretty impressive and pretty important. Oh my God, eye autofocus to me has really changed the game. Because you know, that, well, I don't even like to call it eye autofocus anymore because other people have eye autofocus. I like to call it pupil focus because we're actually just following the pupil of the eyeball, even for professional basketball, for professional sports. It's that fast, it's that accurate, it's that quick. It's just absolutely spectacular. And what it enables you to do is that I don't have to sit there and worry about focusing all the time. I can worry about taking an image, worrying about composition, and I can worry about my subject. I don't have to think about really focusing anymore and that's really difficult to do and now we're able to introduce something that's never been done before and that's do eye autofocus in videos or pupil focus in video right. so if you're shooting 
portraits or you're doing blogging or you're doing anything, you're going to be able to now track the pupil of the eye as it moves around the frame and have it look like, you know, someone's there doing focus pulling because it's that accurate, that quick, and that smooth. That makes workflow that much more fluid. I mean, that just takes the it's stress off it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I mean, when you really look at videos that people shoot of portraits and interviews, you always see focus racking in and out, and it's almost never perfect when you freeze on a frame. But now you're literally going to be able to see just perfect clarity on the pupil of the eye, not on the eyebrow, not on the nose, not on the ear. It's going to be right there on the pupil of the eye, which is something that really should blow everyone's mind. It's pretty cool. You've also upped the game as far as audio when shooting video. Is that correct? Yep. So these are the first cameras, consumer cameras that have full digital audio. So there's an A to D converter in the in the new microphones, and there's A to D conversion in the in the camera. So you're able to get full digital audio with full digital noise canceling. So you can be in the streets of New York, which there's no quiet street in New York, and you're going to be able to have complete digital noise canceling of the surrounding areas. You're able to make shotgun mics a quarter of the size, a quarter of the weight, and just be able to do a lot more and get full professional uncompressed audio, which is just, it's pretty spectacular because what's good video without good audio, right? So. Is this the, the new best um, A7 for video? It's a little bit relative because the A7 III is a, one of our most powerful video devices that utilizes, it's no landscaping, no pixel binning in full frame. Um, that's um, S-Log2, S-Log3, HLG, of course, all the things that Sony's been doing for a long time, where this camera has no landscaping and no pixel binning in Super 35 mode, when you go to full frame mode, it still does uh, pixel binning. And needless to say, your image quality is still spectacular. There's no optical low pass filter. So it just gives you a much different look when you're shooting video on this camera. Just like a lot of people prefer the A7R 3 when shooting video because the look without an optical low pass filter in Super 35 mode is, it, it really is amazing. And you have that in this camera as well. So there's really um, not a lot of differences in terms of that. It's still a super sample uh, 6K to 4K video when you're shooting in Super 35. HLG, S-Log2, S-Log3, touch to object tracking focus, all those things are in this camera the same way it was in the A7R3. All right, Great. just to review a few things here. Uh, not only is it the highest uh, resolution full frame camera, it's also the highest resolution when shooting in APS-C mode. Uh, 26 megapixel, mm -hmm. which that's the, that's that's the, the highest, highest, highest current camera on the market, uh, APS-C <laughs> camera on the market. There's been ones in the past that are very slightly higher, but current cameras, it is the highest. And people don't think about shooting in APS-C crop mode when they're thinking about full frame because everyone wants full frame. It does have a different look. It does have shallower depth of field. It is great. But sometimes you want to get that extra reach. Sometimes you want to make your lens a little bit longer, 1.5 crop. So you're able to go into APS-C mode and have, um, have 26 megapixels. But beyond that, the camera in full frame mode has 567 phase detection autofocusing points, which is incredible. But when you go down to APS-C crop mode, the entire frame is covered with phase detection autofocusing points, which is really incredible. So you can go to the most outermost uh, pixel all the way in the corner and still be able to get the same exact quality and the same exact performance as you would at the point right in the middle so of the sensor. So in full frame, we have what, 74% coverage? Is that the number? So when, as soon as yep. you put it into APS, it, you're basically eliminating the dead zones. There's no dead zone. That's well, it. Almost no dead zone. So like, you know, the little asterisk, like 99.9. So, but in, uh, in full frame, it's 74%, which is also just astronomical. Also, nothing I, I, I have to mention is that the, uh, uh, looking through the finder, it's, it's like, it's, I grew up in the days of optical viewfinders. Yeah. We're there now. I mean, looking through here, you're not aware of the fact you're looking at pixels. It is a 
incredibly bright, vivid image that we're seeing on oh, there. Yeah. I mean, it took a while because it took a lot of, it, it was almost, photographers are, are uh, you know, hard to convince, right? So when the first EVS came out, I wasn't convinced. Yeah. Uh, it took a long time and now we're at a level, I mean, I was happy with A7R3 until the 7R4 viewfinder came out, of course. So now at 5.6 million pixels in the viewfinder, it just absolutely looks phenomenal. It, it, it makes you forget optical viewfinders. It makes you, because the advantages of having the EVF have always outweighed the advantages of having an optical. Oh, the wizard effect, gonna, and and I just love And now it changes everything. Yeah. yeah. And for fine focusing, that's where I get Because I, I happen to use that fine focusing thing. I bounce in there a little bit. Yeah. I zoom in just to check focus now it's insane yeah, yeah now to have it like hyper realistic in the viewfinder and have all the advantages of an EVF we've now in of course in all the other ways of a regular traditional SLR we've you know the EVF is far surpassed what you can do with optical so. now we're also using the same batteries from previous generation cameras what about Absolutely. battery life on this right now is it going to keep as many it's actually slightly better than what we had on the a7r3 really even yep. though it's a more powerful camera as I, I i would assume more power no. draw no no because we're able to just again anytime any new generation of camera we're able to change processing here and there and just be so able it's to more have efficient a, a, yeah and when i say more efficient we're talking you know five percent five percent better but as, it's not worse so it's the batteries fine. they act and perform phenomenally anyway we're getting about on depending on what you're shooting, I mean, almost four thousand shots per battery charge anyway. So and the, the three, the three was the one that used the new battery, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let, let's hear that shutter. Sure. Definitely sounds. Different. Oh, it's totally yeah. different shutter. Wow. Yeah. And it's the so cameras, different. everything about the body is, like I said, increased. This is our most durable body we've ever had. Well, I can it's tell completely just weather sealed. Yeah. Two UHS two slots. You can even tell like. Everything has weather sealing now around the doors. These doors are greatly improved, so there's weather sealing everywhere. Weather sealing on the battery door, because that was our one, you know, little little problem on the other cameras is that it didn't have weather sealing on the battery doors. No, everything is it's one of the most robust cameras out there, let alone a Sony camera. Yeah, and it feels it too. Yeah, yeah. totally. Right. Uh, Mike Bublow, thank you so much for joining us. Terrific, great Appreciate camera. It. Thank you very much. Talk about dying and going to heaven. Guess who we have with us right now? Ken Rockwell, the one and only. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I wasn't expecting this. It's awesome. So what brings you into town? You know, the big Sony announcement, as well as family. So you handled the camera yesterday. What are your impressions of the camera? You know, it's awesome, but so is the A7R Mark III. It's, yeah. You know, the resolution difference doesn't really matter. But what does matter that I thought was important is, is it now has a lock on the exposure compensation dial. You push it once, it locks. Push it again, it's unlocked, which is different than the way the lock works on the mode dial, so that may confuse people that they get that part. Yep. The other thing is, for the first time in Sony, now just like a lot of the Nikons, you can save the entire setup of the camera to a memory card. Uh -huh. You can share that with your friends. I'm going to share my settings on my website. And you can also save 10 different camera states. So like every time you change the camera a little bit, you can have whole different settings. This is different than the mode dial settings, M1, 2, and 3. Right. This saves everything about the camera. So for instance, every time I get a new camera and I have to spend half an hour typing in my copyright information on that crazy screen, now it, it only works for the same model camera. So it works if you get a second A7 Mark IV, you can just load your settings from the first one into the second one if you're outfitting a fleet of cameras or if you're sending yours in for service or anything like that. I and think you that's figured awesome. all of this out since yesterday? Well, it's a... 
<laughs> it's not hard. You go through the camera, you start pushing buttons, and you're like, yeah. oh, this is different. Also, the battery, the car door is much better. Yes. It's yes. just like yes. Nikon and Canon. Just pull it backwards. It never opens by accident. It opens up instantly when you want it. You don't have to find that little switch in one hand. Use the other hand. So that's a lot better. Too. Yeah, and the weather stripping is much better because I, I had a lot of problems with my take my A7R2 into the tub. Now I'm going to, you know, it's going to be a lot easier with the new camera. Mm -hmm. But that's some interesting observations that you had about it also. Um, I know one of the things that Jason and I picked up on immediately was the, the sound and the feel of the shutter. It seems weird to say the feel of the shutter, but when you fire that thing, it has a different, different feel about it and the sound is different as well. And apparently they've done a lot of up, uh, uh, upgrading on that particular piece. It does sound sweet, but I'll admit I usually set my other cameras to go silent. So it was almost lost to me, but I'm like, gee, this does sound really nice. Like my Contax G2, yes. my, my Nikon F6, 35mm cameras just sound so sweet when they go off. You just want to shoot them just because of how good it sounds. Ditto, ditto, ditto. <laughs> okay, I know and that's, we're coming from the same place. I get it. So I've been shopping at B&H since the 1970s. I've been the customer there for over 40 years, which is why I love you guys so much. You've always taken care of me. Oh, Even when I was like, I was like a teenager, pre-teenager. You guys just always what you wanted at the right price. Well, I'd say if you walk around the store, you see a lot of people, no matter what their age, look like little kids in a candy store. They really, really do. Uh, it is, if you have not been there, get there before you go on to the next world. It is an experience. Um, it's great. Okay, Ken Rockwell, pleasure meeting you and pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. Okay. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at BH Photo Video, hashtag BH Photo Podcast. Okay. We are with Laura Grinker. Hi. And you are a photographer and you are a Sony user. What intrigues you about this camera based on what you know about it compared to what you've had experience with as far as Sony cameras? The focusing yes. would help me so much because... I have such a hard time at my age with my glasses on or off, with looking at yep. the back or looking through the viewfinders. You know, and for me also, Sony's being so light. You know, yeah. I come from a long history of film background, traveling around the world on assignment, bringing 200 or plus rolls of film and all my gear and heavy lenses. And now I pack and it's like, there's nothing to pack. Yep. Yeah, and one overnight bag and all your clothing and cameras and one's yeah. holding the overhead. I know, oh, yeah. it's, that's one of the things I love about it. Now that you have an idea what this camera is capable of doing, has it triggered any uh, well, ideas for stories or assignments or projects that you want to do? Well, I'm working on a bunch of projects. One is a documentary film about my father. And okay. so shooting video with that would be incredible. And right. I'll probably be shooting for another year or so as long as my father doesn't kick me out. He thought I'd be done by now. I'm doing this portrait project right now that I kind of have to finish one part of it by September for an exhibition, but they're going to be life-size portraits. So if I had that camera for that, it would be just better. Um, as it is, the files are really beautiful. But uh, So I have this kind of multimedia memoir, as I call it, and I've been shooting part of that with 4x5 film. Uh -huh. So this would be the perfect replacement, and I could shoot video with it, and I could shoot the stills with it, and yeah, so. It's a very able machine. It really, really is. So, okay. Lori, thank you so much for thank your input. You. Enjoy the show. Your name is? 
Jude Allen. And you were your photographer, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, landscape travel photographer out of San Francisco. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And a Sony Alpha shooter? Uh, yeah, on the, on the collective. Right? Oh, you're part of the collective. Yeah. Okay, all right. And this is your first time handling the uh, A7R 4 uh, Yes. All right. Yeah, first time. Any quick impressions? Anything um, that struck you right out of the... Yeah, I really liked how buttery fast the uh, auto eye focus is. It's a lot faster than my uh, R3 is. So uh, another first impression is that I really like the hardware change on the dial on the back, on the top. It's, it's a big uh, plus for me. So I, I had a little bit of um, issues finding the old so. so is it bigger now? Or yeah, it's bigger and it's actually like outside of the body itself. So it just kind of, it's almost like a, a disc on the top, sitting on the top. So cool. a lot easier to manipulate. And uh, did you bring your own lenses or have you been using the lenses they have here? Um, I just rented a 5518 for a minute and I've been using my own lenses. I have a bunch of different stuff. And have you been shooting, you've been shooting models here mostly? Uh, yeah, yeah. So been doing that. Uh, yeah, it's been cool. The, the, my favorite so far is the neon girl, kind of, kind of uh, futuristic looking. I like all the lights. Did you use the eye tracking? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it worked really well. Yep, yeah, and low light even too. So very impressive. Are you, you definitely planning you're gonna upgrade to this camera when the time's right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna. I'm gonna wait on it for a minute and then save up and then buy it. Yeah, but um, basically, I mean, I can recrop into a lot of photos that I'm doing and come up with other photos within those uh, with the with the extra megapixels. So. And, and that dynamic range, that'll help you out for those landscapes. Exactly, yeah. And for, for a lot of, you know, blown out skies or whatever, so. Is there any one thing uh, that you've learned already that kind of, or even if you didn't learn it here, but one thing that you know about the camera that would definitely make you switch? Hmm, I would say the, the hardware is kind of a big deal for me. I really like the dial and the, the changes and I believe they said there's an extra uh, function button um, so that would come in really handy for me uh, other than that yeah that's pretty much it uh, and the grip is awesome too actually so much much needed all right thanks cheers all right this is gonna be a double treat we have Andy Katz and Colby Brown joining us and both of these guys have had an opportunity to use the new Sony a7r4 uh, that we have just touched for the first time about 45 minutes ago. Um, you guys are both associated with Sony, you're both ambassadors, is that? Artisans. Yeah. Artisans, mm -hmm. excuse me, okay. Um, and so you have been using these cameras for a while, so the Sony A7R series cameras, safe assumption? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. For the last like two weeks, we've been we've had our time. Okay. Before. Now, so you're familiar with the whole family and what this new one is. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We we just spoke uh, with uh, Mike, and he gave us all the we talked about all the differences. But you guys have a hands-on experience. What is different about the camera out in the wild? Now, Colby, you're photographing wildlife. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, I was in Alaska. And Andy, you're photographing landscapes. Correct. So we have two different perspectives of what's going on. Uh, Andy, let's start with you. What's the difference between this camera and the, say, the A7R 3 or 2? Well, I think the immediate difference is a lot of big old beautiful megapixels. I mean, the, the definition and the sharpness and the tonality of the files. Okay, so you're chasing animals up in Alaska. Correct. All right. Where animals are chasing him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what are some of your initial impressions? How did this camera make your life better compared to what you've been using? What, what have you found? Well, I found that the, the unique thing about this camera is that to me it's a bit of both evolution and revolution. So okay. to me the evolution is kind of your standard iterative updates that personally I would expect from any flagship camera coming out. So you're getting you know dual UHS-2 card slots, you're getting better ergonomics, more tactile buttons, things like that. 
what I mean by revolutionary is that not only the resolution that Andy was talking about, but when you mix that resolution matched with autofocus capabilities that you have similar, uh, although not necessarily exactly the same, but similar to the A9. You have a new IBI system that is built for stabilization specifically for these high resolution images. And then you have 15 stops of dynamic range, right? I, I can't stress enough specifically. Yeah, the, dy the dynamic range is unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah. And you, if you think about most wildlife cameras out there, you think of the A9, you think of the D5, you think of the 1DX Mark II, most of those cameras shoot at 11 stops of dynamic range. So when you have a 15 stops of dynamic range and you have uh, you know 61 megapixels to work with, like to me that's kind of a game changer. It really is a big difference than what you could get with previous generations, specifically with this this model line. Now you mentioned uh, uh, um, about image vibration. Now this is something that happens. The higher the resolution, the more pixels you have, the more sensitive it is to shake. any movement and yeah, shake. Um, how have your experiences been with it? The cameras handling things well? Have you had a Buckle down yourself and think a little bit harder before you're pressing the shutter button or any... Because I was, you know, I was working in remote parts of Alaska photographing Alaska coastal brown bears and as well as bald eagles and other things out there. And, you know, I'm shooting with both telephoto when I'm doing that as well as a little bit of landscape here and there on the side. Mm -hmm. So I was able to test a little bit of both in those regards. And because it was a new camera, I kind of like to see how far I can push the limits a bit. And I was pretty surprised. So with the wide-angle lenses, the 16 to 35 2.8, I was able to shoot at one tenth of a second, shooting at dawn, shooting a sunset um, in, in Alaska, and then handheld, being able to shoot at 600 millimeters and being able to drop your shutter speed down to below one two hundredth of a second or quite a bit lower, and still getting sharp results, assuming the animals were were still, right. um, was pretty impressive. Again, I mean, this is an issue as you increase the megapixels, as you said, and, and for it to resolve new, that. There's a new image stabilization system in the camera yeah. that's far superior to the other cameras. Yeah, exactly, built specifically for this resolution. And so that, that, that made it quite amazing to use. It made it more versatile, essentially. You echo that? Oh, 100%, yeah, I was shooting, I mean, you know, my subjects don't have a tendency to move, it leaves a little bit. Well, if you're, <laughs> if you're working in Southern California these days, it's yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> Thank goodness I wasn't. <laughs> but I was shooting handheld uh, 400 millimeter lenses at a 60th of, and a 30th of a second with really no issues whatsoever. That's, that's impressive, crazy. having yeah. to handle those kind of lenses, yeah. that's really something. What about highlight shadow detail? It's uh, safe to assume that it, that's that much better now? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it really is. It's ridiculous. I mean, the the the, the uh, get what what you can get with with the. I mean, because I'm shooting areas where there's tremendous highlights, sun coming through trees, etc., and deep deep shadows, and the, the uh, shadow detail and recovering the highlights are just absolutely extraordinary. Do either one of you have experience with medium format digital cameras? I've spent some time uh, before I moved over to Sony. I did some projects uh, with a few of the other uh, manufacturers, specifically in Africa, working with some remote tribes. Okay. Um, so I, I do have some experience, not studio work, but but you know more real world, practical, rural stuff. And now you're fun. doing essentially real world, practical stuff with this new camera, the absolutely A seven R four. How how is your experience comparing the two of them? Because you know, medium format is a different look and feel. Yeah. But now we have the resolving power and everything else. Absolutely. What's your feeling about that? Any thoughts? Well, I think that it, what this camera does is again, it makes it more versatile. Like I keep, you know, using that adjective to describe it, mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest takeaway when I compare it to medium format. Yes, medium format has a unique look, and yes, it has its own depth of field, and you have all these different elements that are quite unique. 
but you have limited lens selection. They're generally much heavier, harder to move around. Speed issues. Speed, you know, speed issues. You generally have autofocus issues as well as with that. Yeah. And so with a camera like this, as the, the first full frame, let alone mirrorless camera to be able to shoot above 60 megapixels and to again, be able to maintain all these other core elements, the IBS, the autofocus, uh, and, and not have to sacrifice in the process. To me, that is the biggest takeaway from this. It's not any one feature, it's a handful of these features together, which make this camera do things that no other camera on the planet can do because of its resolving power, because of its autofocus capabilities, because of, because of its IBIS, and because of its dynamic range. Yeah, I owned a medium format uh, digital back for several years. I, I took it to India with me and uh, got, you know, beautiful results, but th that was a while ago. But, you know, sh show me the 12 millimeter lens for the medium format. Show me the 400 millimeter lens for the medium format. So, I mean, and the versatility and, you know, I'm a, you know, Colby's got 18 people schlepping his gear, but I'm, I'm a one-man show. And I, 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 I like to just carry really light. By the way, Sony equipment. pays that crew. Yeah. They don't do that for you? You don't get that Sony? Yeah. I get the Sony jet. So it's all good. We, all we good. bike everywhere. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, having... I mean, basically, I was talking to Colby about this before, but, I mean, I've got a small camera bag, and I've got everything I'll ever need, and I can carry it. Yes, that's an important thing. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of lenses, uh, I spoke to Michael a bit earlier about this. One of the things that I've noticed is that when I went from 24 to 36 and 42 megapixel, suddenly some of my favorite lenses weren't as good as they used to be. Have you experienced any of that with some lenses we're just looking and go, it used to be better, but that, in fact that your camera is better now? Well, I mean, I think that the lenses that I'm using are the newer Sony lenses, and they do just a beautiful job. But I, I really do think if you took uh, even, I'm going to say this, but even like an old Leica lens, which was always like the, you know, I, I don't think it can resolve what these new lenses can resolve. Absolutely. And I, yeah, 100% echo the same thing. I mean, I think that if you look at a, a sensor this size, you're going to get the best resolving power with the G Master lenses. I mean, that's just the best Sony glass that's out there. Um, and, and that's going to give you the best results hand down in a consistent fashion. That being said, a lot of Sony's G lenses are actually still incredibly sharp. Um, when I was shooting in Alaska, I was shooting with the 200 to 600, the new one that's just mm -hmm. coming out, the uh, um, 5.6 to 6.3, and was able to get great stuff. The 24 to 105 f4 is a phenomenal lens as well, super sharp. A lot of it just comes down to you know figuring out you know what type of subject you're trying to photograph and being able to use the right type of lenses that do resolve that power. Because I think you're gonna you're gonna start to see as these the megapixel wars continue to heat up more and more issues with that, where your legacy lenses are just not gonna have the same power. And I think I remember somewhere, and I don't want to necessarily quote Sony, you know, out of uh, out of context, but you know, these the GM lenses I've been told can resolve you know 80 plus megapixels. So we're not even beginning even to get into the stages of where their limitations might be. And at least in my experience, for the 12 days that I had this camera photographing wildlife, um, I think that the this 60.1 megapixels is not even getting close to what these these lenses can can push push out. Cool. Any other thoughts about it? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with what Colby said. I mean, I, I think that these these lenses, and also, you know, we're we get a little geeky about this <laughs> because, you know, if you took one of the images from this new camera and blew it up 40 by 50, which is a massive size, probably if you stuck your nose in it, 
that you know maybe the G Master might be a little bit, you know a little bit better because they're, they're the glass is incredible, but e- even these G lenses are really phenomenal lenses. Cool. Pixel shift. Uh, either one of you or both of you try it out on your work? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was able to test quite a bit of it with the uh, the new feature, which is being able to shoot 16 different images. So before the standard was four images, right. a pixel apart, and being able to produce this this incredibly detailed shot. Now you. One have, thing I'm going to interrupt you for. This is you know, to, uh, to me you know how somebody designed a solar calculator is pretty amazing. This thing changes, moves the the sensor by half. A pixel. What the who the hell invented that? I love this guy or this woman. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's truly amazing. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a situation or it's a, it's a feature that isn't for every situation. Right. Obviously, if you have you know a lot of movement within your frame, you're gonna have some issues. Uh, but the nice thing about it is that you're taking 16 images with this new you know half pixel movement and you're creating an image file that is equivalent of like 240 240 megapixels, megapixels yeah. and yeah. then what you know sometimes what I do with those situations is you ha- you have this this beautiful detailed image and then you can take one of your previous original files enlarge it and adjust for some of the moving subjects so like for me in the past I've done this with waterfalls or with ocean seascapes uh-huh. so all of a sudden you take one of those original files you process it you enlarge it up to match the megapixels and all of a sudden you can kind of layer it in and you're getting all the benefits of all your detailed texture midtones, but then you're still being able to account for some of this movement. So that to me is again, it's a pretty exciting feature that I think a lot of people don't fully understand just yet. And it just takes a little bit of experimentation and then you know the ability or the necessity to use the Sony imaging editor software to create these files for you. Then you can process it from there with whatever software you But it's, but it's not difficult to do. Now you, you basically put it on timer and, and let it go. I mean, it's you know, it, it's not a technical issue to do it. You just push a button. Yeah, you, absolutely. You, you set it up in the menu and just push a button. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Cool. All right. Well, Andy Katz, Colby Brown, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for okay. having us. Okay, so there you have it, a special edition of the B&H Photography Podcast, talking about the new Sony A7R4. On behalf of John, Jason, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today.